Hello and welcome to Indie Live Radio on our Friday night. This is Michael and Matthew here until 7 o'clock. Um, this is the locker room, number one for Spork. Um, coming up tonight, we will speak about the uh, Six Nations football. And believe it or not, Matthew, we've got a story about a guy. It's uh, changing sports. No, before you say it, it's not me, um, or maybe it's maybe, maybe you. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's a little bit of shinty in there as well. There's a bit of shinty news came out this week as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, this is my favourite. I mean, I know you're talking about Scottish sport and that's fine. And this kind of links into Scottish sport a little bit. But this is one of my favourite weeks of the year because uh, Cheltenham, Cheltenham Festival is on this week from Tuesday the 16th to Friday the 19th. And it's always, you know, one of the highlights of the, the sporting calendar watching the jump race. And it's one of the favourite, uh, my favourite events of the year, horse racing wise. Um, and even though there'll be no fans involved in, in Cheltenham this year, we'll all be watching it on the TV and um, hopefully it's a hopefully it's a decent event considering it's going to be behind closed doors. But like I said, it's it's one of the highlights of the year, and it's definitely worth a watch from Tuesday to to Friday this week, uh, and including obviously the big one here in Ireland, St Patrick's Day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big kind of like event and stuff like that. So they'll be partying out in the streets, but two meters away from. So, uh, so um, yeah, we'll speak about that as well. Um, let's speak. Let's begin at the beginning. That's a bit weird. Um, before we speak about Rangers last night, uh, they got a good one-one uh, glow away from home. Let's speak about uh, Aberdeen first because it came out on was it Tuesday night and that Derek McInnes. Uh, Derek McInnes resigned. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm not saying it was it was a shock um, because I think they've they've obviously you know the last few games the goals have dried up and I think the supporters' patience with Derek McInnes has finally finally ran out. There was protests outside Pataudry and, and things like that. Um, I mean, from looking on the outside in, I think it's a bit a bit of a crazy decision still because you know COVID has had an effect on sport and performances across the board you only really have to look at Celtic's performance to see how Covid can affect the team um, so therefore I think they might have jumped too soon letting McInnes go but also when you think about his his years in charge I mean obviously he's been there he's been there for eight years but did you know from a from a win percentage ratio only three Aberdeen managers have had a better win percentage record than Derek McInnes over the time Billy McNeil had a yeah. 61% um, win record. Alex Ferguson had a 58% record. And Smith and Scott Jewell had a 54% record, which ties with Derek McInnes's 54% record of wins. So when you think about that, he had a pretty decent record at Aberdeen. You know, they had um, four successive second-place finishes in the league out of eight. Um, and also they won a League Cup as well. So I think sometimes we have to tie this in with the fact that Aberdeen there's a glass ceiling here and the glass ceiling for Aberdeen is probably you know third place in the league um, and maybe a decent cup run each year now this year what they're fourth in the league there's still a chance of a cup run maybe you know it was a bit early to be thinking about getting rid of Derek McInnes because you know the amount of turnover he has in players is unbelievable when you think most of his top players for example Cosgrove was sold to Birmingham City in January players like that uh, will leave Aberdeen and therefore the turnaround is quite large each season and his record is still quite good so uh, I mean I think this is his first major real uh, disaster in charge of Aberdeen and he's been let go I think you'll find over the period of time looking back on it I think you'll find this is going to be a mistake sadly for Aberdeen but we can only see unless they're willing to break that glass ceiling and try and compete with Celtic and Rangers where they are is kind of where they are at and that's probably the best they can do and therefore I do think it was a bit short short termism really on the part of the Aberdeen board but there you go I think that's football these days It was very interesting because a lot of football pundits like so me you now because <laughs> we're top football pundits they are always they, they're, they're saying the same as you Matthew about um, you know uh, what gives Aberdeen fans at spec obviously they expect to win the league but I think you would agree, and most people would agree, when all firms in the league 
not all teams have, have a a chance, but that's that's down to the finances of, of the club. But I mean, he did well for Aberdeen. He, he won a couple of cups and of the season, he got them in the top six. You know, so um, yeah. I mean, I I just don't know. I'm like you, exactly what you just said. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, if Aberdeen expect to be challenging the old firm, then fair enough. He's not really, he's not done that over the years. And there was a chance for him to do it, obviously, when Rangers were out of the league. But when Rangers without, were without the league or without or the SPL, um, Aberdeen were finishing second. They were reaching the glass ceiling under under them, you know. They were getting up there. They were competing for cups. They were finishing second when Rangers weren't in the league. They are finishing third after that. You know, they're they're still in competition for third place this year. Uh, they're still in a competition for the cup this year. Like you, I think unless Aberdeen really want to push on, keep their best players compete at that level, then they're at the glass ceiling now. There's nowhere really for them to go except down. Um, and like you just said, you know, I think it's a bit short-sighted, but um, we move on to the candidates, don't we, who may take over? Yeah, um, obviously, um, Neil Lennon's kind of, like, saved it for that job. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think at the moment, if you're if you're guessing a candidate, I think, you know, former Aberdeen midfielder Stephen Glass is probably the front-runner. Um, he obviously, you know, he, he's at Atlanta United at the moment. Aber- Aberdeen are currently owned by American businessmen, so they know American the American soccer leagues. They know the MLS. They know a bit about Stephen Glass. Um, now, I think therefore he might be odds-on favourite to get it, keeping in with that American theme. But like you said, you know Neil Lennon has appeared as a candidate as well, and he's just left Celtic. Um, and I heard them on the radio. Was it yesterday for the Manchester United AC Milan game? Mentioned that you know he's out, even though he's out of work, he wouldn't be against going into management quite soon. So therefore, you know Neil Lennon's not ruling himself out of jobs, and therefore he is a a candidate at Aberdeen and if you're going to replace McInnes I think you know as Neil Lennon showed at Hibs he can get clubs like that going and can get them to compete at that level but then you have to remember Neil Lennon also expects a level of um, progress too I mean like what happened at Hibs you know he got to a certain the glass ceiling at Hibs and then he wanted more from the board. He wanted to compete with Celtic and Rangers. The Hibs board at the time weren't willing to do that or couldn't do it. And therefore, Neil Lennon walked. And it would be similar to Aberdeen. You know, he would get them to the level of Derek McInnes. And then Neil Lennon would want more. And whether Aberdeen are willing to do that, I don't know. Um, so that's Glass and Lennon. I heard Stephen Robertson um, yeah. name mentioned from, you know, ex model manager. Yeah. Uh, Jim Goodwin and Callum Davidson has also been mentioned and also heard uh, Enzo Maresca's name was mentioned as well now he's been linked with the Celtic job so it's quite interesting that uh, Aberdeen there's choices out there like Maresca who are also getting linked with Celtic who are now also getting linked to Aberdeen so I don't know whether that says Aberdeen are pushing above their weight trying to get a decent manager or does it mean Celtic are downsizing I'm not quite sure where we're at Um, but his name was mentioned too yeah, yeah, it's going to leave wait and then Kreski in a couple of weeks. But uh, again, I think I'd be very surprised if they appoint a manager before the end of the season because obviously they've not got a game this weekend. And then after this weekend, court, there's only seven or eight games left before the end of the season. So you might be looking at mid season now, or you might be looking at, you know, the last week of the season before they announce a new manager. Yeah, I mean, I think like, I mean, I, I would say for Celtic, that's definitely true. I think you'll be looking at the pre-season. For Aberdeen, you know, unless they're looking at somebody who's either already in a job and they want to wait to the contracts up, maybe like Maresca, or are you looking at a, a Euro, European manager that's maybe, say, at the Euros, for example, they might wait to the summer. But if you're Aberdeen and you're looking at maybe a, a Robinson or a Neil Lennon, I'd be hoping to get them in near enough immediately because at least then they can evaluate the the players that they've got, see them in training, see where they're at, and then hit the ground running um, in pre-season with player recruitment and stuff like that. So it depends who at what level Aberdeen are after. If they're after someone out of work, get them in immediately and get the job going. If they're looking for someone who's already in work or um, is maybe at the Euros, if they are looking to that, that sort of stature, then obviously that will have to wait until uh, the summer. Um, I'm, 
And of course, Aberdeen is not get a game this weekend, but we'll come on to the games in a, a wee minute. Let, let's go back to last night's game. Matthew, then uh, Rangers was uh, playing in European football. And um, oh, I, I missed that game, so I'm dependent on you. But I saw the goals uh, and I saw McGregor save in, what was it, 89 minutes or something. Um, so, yeah, what, what was your take on the game? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, I mean, I think what happened is obviously Rangers won the league last weekend. I think there was obviously, as you saw on social media and as you saw on television, there was a few members of the Rangers squad, so we say, parting, and rightly so. You know, it's the first time they've won the league um, as, as a player group. Um, so they obviously were out having a little bit of a party, but it turns out, you know, that's maybe not ideal preparation for a European game on a Thursday night. Um, and Rangers players, I think, looked a bit, you know, the first hour in Prague, I don't think they got going. I thought uh, Prague, I thought um, Prague were the better team. Uh, they scored an absolutely cracking goal with about, was it maybe, it was only three, four, it was early early doors, three, four minutes on the clock, an absolutely cracking goal from them uh, from outside the box. And it takes a lot to leave McGregor just basically standing and watching the ball go over his head, completely stuck, rooted to the ground. Um but that was the goal. Uh, that was the goal that happened for Prague. McGregor had no chance, and they took the lead. After that, you know, they they Prague half huffed and puffed um, without actually threatening Rangers too much. They were they were definitely fair game for their one 0 lead. Um, but gradually, slowly but surely, uh, the resilience kicked in for Rangers. They kept it kept them in the game up to the 60 minute mark and then slowly they clawed their way back. Um, like you said, you know, McGregor was playing well, the defence started to play well, uh, Tavernier was doing okay, Patterson and his, um, well, one of his first European games, obviously he played in the last one, but, uh, you know, he was, even though he was exposed at times uh, down the right flank, he still managed to to do a job for Rangers um, and then Rangers equalised, well, actually McGregor's save was a you know, quality. I mean, he clawed that out. It looked like it was going in the bottom corner, didn't it? Uh, it was about safe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, he, you know, he got down. It was, I mean, it was outrageous. It was absolutely outrageous. Um, and that was in the final minute. But Rangers equalised. It, it was a good goal um, from Rangers. They worked it well. Uh, and, you know, they got it to the, they got, they got it into the box and Hollander tapped home a, a pretty easy equaliser um, to give Rangers a really, really important, um, what is half time, 1 uh, 1 draw, and, you know, a, a really good away, away goal for Rangers. So I think, I think they will do better on the next leg. I think, yeah, I think be, becoming champions maybe tired them out a little bit. Um, there was a few mistakes for Rangers. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes back to you know when it comes back to going to Ibrox, I think one one uh, away from home, it might well be enough for Rangers. Like I said, you mean you've got McGregor on top form, you've got Tavernier on top form, you've got Patterson playing well, um, you've got Kent playing extremely well. Morelos had another decent game. Um, you know, like I said, they didn't have to play at their best to get a one-one draw. So after a little bit of a rest this week, they don't play this weekend. Then they go back to it the week after that. I think Rangers might have too much for Prague at Ibrox, um, and maybe that was their chance to give Rangers a bit of a beating gone. Yeah, I mean, we must say well done to the Rangers because they the so one of the last week. Um, you know, they've been they've uh, had an outstanding season and. Also, they've not been beaten yet, but it's hard to believe that the only team beat them this season is St Mirren in the League Cup. Um, and the funny thing is, Matthew, everybody was watching that game expecting Rangers to run over the top of St Mirren as well. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about Rangers? I mean, if you look from back to front, they've just got a really solid spine. You know, you've got McGregor, one of the top players, uh, goalkeepers in, in the league. In fact, he is. He's the best goalkeeper in the league, arguably the player of the season. Then, you know, in front of them, you've got players like, well, even Patterson's came in now. You know, you've got um, Tavernier in front. I mean, Tavernier scores goals for fun and can defend people like that. Halander, he's looking quite good as well. Aribo, Kent, uh, Morelos up top. Every position, every player Rangers have excelled this year. You know, they've scored 77 goals in the league. They've only conceded nine. Their goal difference is 68. But like you said, they've not lost. Um, they're very, apart from one game in Europe or two games in Europe in the last round 
they're very difficult to score against. So therefore, you know, if you can get one against them, you're doing well. And then obviously Rangers are always like with the score as well up top when you've got players like Morelos, you've got players like Kent, uh, you've got a set police specialist in Tavernier. Um, you're always likely to score goals as well. And they look like they look like a sort of yeah, maybe even going back to it's a definitely the best side I've seen Rangers have since uh, Walter Smith's team when they got to the UEFA Cup final. Um way back in the early 2000s, was it 2008? Uh, so it's definitely their best season since then. It's their best side since then. Um, and yeah, what can, what can you say about Rangers? They've just been head and shoulders above those in the league, uh, apart from that St Mirren uh, slip-up. And in Europe, you know, they're competing against uh, some of the best teams in the Europa League, and they're still, they don't look out of place, um, you know, they will, I think, they will go on and beat Slavia because they weren't at their best on Thursday or yesterday. Uh, they weren't at their best. They did look tired. They did make uncharacteristic mistakes. But like I said, they held in there. They kept the score to one. McGregor played well. Um, the defence did their job. And then when they needed to, you know, they managed to go up top to have a chance and Hollander scored um, to give them a, a priceless away goal. So um, travelling to Ibrox next Thursday, I think, might be too much for Prague. And of course, that's second legs next week. But and also next week, um, the old firm game, um, it was in a bit of doubt this week. But um, uh, like the government came out and, and said the old firm game will go ahead next weekend at Parkhead. Well, I mean, this is a game we're all looking forward to. And I know Rangers have won the league uh, and maybe it's not as important, but when is there a non-important old firm game? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, never. Um, or Glasgow Derby or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, think, I think this game was at risk. Um, yeah. You know, Rangers... Obviously, they celebrated, and yeah, the arguments are you can understand they've not won the league for ten years. Um, you know, they, they've had their troubles with liquidation and things like that, and coming back from the or coming back from the third division. But on the other hand, you know, their their fans were out of order last week. I think the club should have done more. I think when you see the fans who have managed to get outside the Vibrox before the game last week. The Rangers should have been telling them to go home. Instead, you know, you've got players celebrating with them outside uh, the stadium. You've got managers like Gerard sticking his head out the, the window and celebrating with them. I don't think they did enough. And therefore, the fans just thought it was okay. And, you know, we're celebrating outside Ibrox. We're celebrating in George Square and things like that. It was completely wrong. And because of that, you know, because of that, it put the old firm game at risk. And Nicola Sturgeon, you know, said that she needed assurances before the, the government could confirm that Celtic and Rangers could go ahead at Celtic Park. You know, I think she said in Parliament, um, you know, in terms of the fixtures, you know, they would have to prove that there's plans in place to prevent that happening again. And, you know, the risk was very real that the game wasn't going ahead. But I think Celtic, you know, this week have said, you know, that they'll put up a, like we were talking about earlier, a ring of steel around Celtic Park so they're used to it you know they put a ring of steel up to stop Celtic fans um, protesting when you know Neil Lennon was having a bad time and protesting against the board uh, but I think this is a different kettle of fish with this yeah. I think you know yeah. This isn't going to be a bunch of fans who turn up. This could be a you know horde of them coming to Celtic yeah. Park, um, and obviously you know you, Celtic fans could turn up as well on the basis of that. So and I mean I think, to, be, to be quite honest with you, it's pretty sad how they've got to do that, but you can re recognise how they're doing that after last Sunday's game. Oh, definitely after last weekend's Jog Square fiasco, you know. Yeah, and, and Rangers fans, you know, aren't making it quiet. You know, they're, they're saying that they're going to go to um, Celtic Park. They want to go and celebrate the title. But obviously, when they go to Celtic Park, you saw the events last week. You know, they try and, uh, well, the shop at the shop in the city centre was smashed at Celtic. Um, you know, Rangers flags were draped over statues of um, ex-players who are sadly have passed on since then. You know, it's very, very disrespectful. They were on, you know, Rangers fans in George Square, uh, were you know some of them were Nazi saluting on top of war statues, but it shows the ignorance of them. Um, and also some people, some people in George Square were smashing through um, chairs that were there in remembrance of uh, family members who passed on as well. Whether you've won the league or not, it's very disrespectful to be doing these things. Um, and if and if that was some Rangers fan celebrating, God forbid if they lost the league. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but because of that, yeah, the fixture was in doubt and Celtic and Rangers now are having to put things in place to protect the stadium. Um, and that, in this day and age, is completely out of order, especially when we've got COVID. And, you know, we were talking about another radio show previously that sometimes has been coming on and admitting that, you know, they were they were in the celebration, even though people died in their family or they knew people had died with COVID. And like I said, mm. given the media media coverage of COVID, everybody should know better whether, you know, you're the smartest guy on the planet or you're maybe not so smart. Everybody should know the risks of COVID. Uh, everyone should know the risks of what, what happens when people conjugate in large numbers. And not only did they not care about the, the health risks to their family, like I said, they were very disrespectful to war memorials, things that Rangers fans supposedly hold and cherish. Um, disrespectful to war memorial uh, statues in George Square. Statues that they were actually trying to protect last year, ironically enough. Um, they were disrespectful to that. Disrespectful to statues at Celtic Park. And it's the minority are absolutely, it's absolutely disgusting, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Good good point, Matthew. Um okay, so let's look at last weekend's football then. Um it's a fairly quiet weekend for football. Um but tonight we've got Ross K- uh, no we've not, we've got Inverness against Ray Flowers. Tomorrow we've got R- Livingston against Hamilton and um Ross County against Hibbs. Um run through the first division games as ever. Dundee against Abrov, uh, Gunfern against Air United, uh, Hearts against Air United, and uh, Queen of the South against Alloa. So, um, yeah, and I saw last week that um, as Air United a new manager. Yeah, it was announced. Uh, well, I, I mean, ironically enough, I didn't think it would manage to happen in time just before the Hearts game. I mean, obviously. Going to Hearts is probably one of the toughest places in, in the league to go. Um, and obviously, Air United needed to have a new manager after the resignation previously. Um, but David Topkin has actually been appointed Air United manager uh, mm. three months after he left Greenock Morton. Um, so he signed a two-year contract at Somerset Park. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a decent... Uh, it's a decent appointment, you know. Hopkin has had decent experience uh, previously, you know, at Greenock Morton, also at Livingston. You know, he managed to make Livingston a very, very difficult side to beat, and he started Livingston really on the roll that's led to where they are just now. Um, so I think it's a, quite a decent appointment for there. Uh, they are, you know, one place and one point behind Morton at the moment, but they have got a game in hand. Uh, and you know, Hopkin could be the catalyst just to push air that bit further up from uh, relegation trouble. Um, and yeah, it's a tough task. You know, Saturday's trip to face face uh, Hearts is always a difficult difficult place to go. Hearts, I think, last week maybe are starting to find a little bit of form. You know, they've been picking up results, but maybe not playing as well as they could have done last week. The, they started to maybe look a little bit better than they have been doing. Uh, I think Air will find it hard against Hearts on, on Saturday, but hopefully after that, you know, Hopkins can go on and just make sure Air are safe because there's a chance if Air stay in the Championship that Kilmarnock could be the team following them down and we'll have a, you know, Ayrshire Derby to look forward to next year. I would maybe say that the game of the weekend is um, Ross County against Hibs because I'll tell you why. Um, obviously, Celtic found it very difficult against him and Ross County beat them a few weeks ago but any, t- any time any, any team goes up there Matthew they all find it very difficult and for Hibs they're a kind of funny team at times you know so that, that's a very kind of interesting game and, and also Ross County is at the bottom of the of the table so uh, the, you know the, the, the points up for grabs you know yeah, I mean it's a it's I mean it's a good weekend. I think if you're you know a football fan from a relegation point of view, because you could almost call it relegation Saturday, mm-hmm. um, because I think this is what it's going to come down to. Obviously, you know Hibs and uh, Livingston are obviously looking up at the table. You know Livingston, if they can win on Saturday, they can get another three points on the board and claw back Aberdeen a little bit. Uh, but Aber- Livingston are not in good form. Uh, they've not won in the last five. They've lost four of the last five, in fact. So they're not in good form. Um, at all coming into this game and Hamilton obviously you know haven't been in great shakes themselves they've won one of the last five um, and lost but lost one of the last five so a lot of draws in there 
Hamilton will be looking at that game at Livingston thinking, because Livingston are in an awful run of form, there's a chance to go there and get a win. If they win on Saturday, that pushes Kamarnock even further to the bottom of the league. Ross County is another one. Ross County Hibs, like you say, you know, Hibs were in a good run of form up until recently, but they've lost the last two. And like you say, at the moment now, Hibs are looking at, you just don't know what you're going to get from Hibs. Uh, and I think, you know, going up to Ross County, like you said as well, is very difficult. Ross County and Hamilton will be looking at this weekend thinking, we can both pick up wins, I think. And, and it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Both of Ross County and Hamilton will win, could win this weekend. And that will root Kilmarnock right to the bottom of the league. Um, and the way they're playing, I don't think Kilmarnock will be able to recover from that if both Ross County and Hamilton pick up the points. So it's uh, Kilmarnock will be looking on biting their nails uh, for a very big Saturday of sport. Yeah, um, yeah, it should be quite interesting as well. Um, you know, and that's oh, it's, it's getting to the sorry, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I wasn't going to say anything there, but I think you were going to say it's getting to the business end of the season. You you know me too well, definitely. I think I think this weekend in particular because you know we've all been looking at Ross County and Hamilton's games in hand, and Kamarnock have been hanging in there by the skin of their teeth there, um, and I think you pointed out last weekend, you know, because they're in, they've just you, you know they've got a new manager and we were all expecting maybe a bit of a boost, and it's just not game, it's not game at all, and Ross County and Hamilton have been able to pick up the odd well Hamilton the odd one Ross County have Ross County not drawn a lot of games now they either win them or lose them so which is quite good obviously because if you win half the games between now and the end of the season Ross County will survive um quite comfortably um so I, I think survive <laughs> well, well that's I, I don't think Kilmarnock will be singing that song somehow I think this Saturday could be a big Saturday in the relegation battle and like like you said you know Ham, Ham, Hibs are give or take you just don't know what you're going to get Livingston are on an absolutely awful run of form uh, since they got to that League Cup final they've been a, like a stone sinking in water yeah, yeah. Um, so Hamilton and Ross County will be rubbing their hands together and yeah Kilmarnock will be panicking Absolutely panicking. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's um I know it's a bit weird for me to say this, but hey, hey, I'll say it anyway. Um even though Kamarok's not playing this weekend, it's still a big weekend for them. Oh yeah, definitely. I think this this will be the making of their season, I think. Um because you know, if for example Hibs pick up something and if Livingston pick up something, then Kamarnock will be thinking, Well, we've not even played, they've not got ahead of us any more than they were last weekend. We're still in with a shout here. But if, if for example, especially Hamilton, uh, if Hamilton pick up the win and go up to 29 points, that's you now four points behind in a battle that you're not winning games. Kamarnock are just not winning, they're not picking up the three points. They might get the odd draw there here or there, but if you're not winning, four points is a massive gap to claw back. Um, so they will be panicking this weekend. Um, and like I said, I don't think it surprised me if Ross County and Hamilton both pick up the wins. And then if you're Kamarnock, you know, I think you'll be, you know, going back to what I said a second ago, what you'll be looking forward to then isn't the great escape. You'll be looking forward to playing Air United next year in the big derby. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so oh, that's... Just quickly as well, there was another yeah. piece of news actually when you were talking about the Championship. Uh, Dunfermline tomorrow are playing Greenock Morton. Um, and there was a bit of news coming out of Greenock Morton this week uh, that Gus McPherson has taken over as the manager of Morton to the end of the season. Oh, yeah. That the St Midland fans might not like that. Well, that's what I was thinking, you know, and that's why it was a big piece of news because this kind of caught me on the on the hop here because not because David Hopkins just got the job at ah, boom, boom. Um But, yeah, it, it, caught, it caught me by surprise because I was expecting... Um, I was expecting maybe... So anybody else but Gus McPherson to take the Green at Martin job. Yeah, it's a bit in the field that one, but he is a good manager. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's a very good manager. I think he's proven in all the jobs that he's been at before. He he knows football. He loves football. He lives and breathes football. Um, you know, and Mart Martin have only won three of the last thirteen games since Hopkins' departure. So they aren't they aren't in great shakes themselves, um, but if if there's a man that's going to get you a relegation zone and even eventually in the long term if he does get the job long term, uh, push you on to promotion, then Gus McPherson is a very solid choice. And you know, arguably, I think he's the best choice that a club like Greenock Morton could get. It's a very very shrewd, um, shrewd appointment. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, one bit of news as well, Marcia, uh, you, you just reminded me um, when you said, oh, 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 um, <laughs> um, the uh, women's football, I don't know if you saw this, but the women's uh, Premier League um, one is coming back on the 4th of April and the season will end on the 6th of June. So that's good to see that the, um, there's even more football coming back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, women's football, I think, has been a sticking point in the sense that, you know, when this, the the men's game started to return, whether it was SPL or the championship, when that was starting to return, I think the women's game was looking on, um, you know, and wondering why they weren't getting the same coverage. You know, eventually the women's game did come back and we had brilliant goals. And I was talking about, you know, Paige McAllister's great goal for Hearts against Hibs uh, recently as well, or a few months ago now. Um, so it is good that women's football now have had assurances that they will return on the 4th of April. Clubs are committed to the full 21 game a season, which I think is very important. Um, however, again, we're looking at this SWPL2. Uh, their shutdown remains in place. So uh, while the top clubs will be coming back, uh, it's a bit unfortunate the second sort of division clubs won't be coming back at the moment, but hopefully they'll return as soon as possible. Um, so let's move on to Robbie now. We've not spoken about Robbie for a few weeks, well, uh, six nations. <coughs> but before we get on to the games, Matthew, I would like to... Uh, I think you spoke about the yesterday because uh, we always have a big, big meeting over about five hours, or maybe maybe it was five <laughs> minutes, I can't remember. Um about Scott Scottish rugby, um as could get more um as could get more finances uh, from the Six Nations. Uh, it's a deal um worth um how how much is that again? Uh forty four point five million over five years. Is that all um, so yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's a massive, massive. I mean, there's there's a few things that you're, or one or two things maybe that you're a bit worried about. I mean, uh, Scottish rugby are obviously happy that the deal with CVC has went through. I think, um, I think the deal overall is three hundred and sixty-five million pounds as a as a whole package from CBC. Uh, that gets them a fourteen percent share in the Six Nations, and I think the forty-four point five million is the figure that the SRU will benefit from that. So it's an important step, I think, for Scottish rugby to get a figure of that sum in the door. Um, the money obviously will be split up between the nations and, and like I said, Scotland will get 44.5 million of that. Um, so it's a, it's a monumental figure that will hopefully, you know, impact Scotland from top down. So hopefully, you know, it'll go all the way down to impact the sort of professional sides, Edinburgh and Glasgow. Then you've got the sort of super six sides like Air. Uh, hopefully it'll impact that. Um, and then go down, obviously, to the, the sort of non-professional sides like Air and Melrose and Hoyk and people like that. So hopefully this funding will result in the SRU being able to, you know, give the, those clubs a bit of a sort of step up the ladder, especially during COVID times, um, but allow Scotland to compete better in the professional era because since rugby's became professional, I think we've said this before, Scotland maybe haven't benefited from the professional game as much as they should. You know, we used to be able to compete for five nations uh, quite regularly. Uh, then the game became professional and Scotland started to slide a bit. We've not really competed uh, this millennium. Uh, really for Six Nations uh, trophies. So hopefully this money will give Scotland a chance to compete in the, in the professional arena. My worry would be that CVC uh, have also bought, obviously, um, a share in the English Premiership before, and the English Premiership have moved on to, you know, have the, a lot of their games on pay-per-view. I'll be back in a and speak. Yep, carry on. Um, so... I think what will happen is that maybe, maybe there's a chance that the paper that you know the Six Nations will leave BBC or leave ITV, move on to maybe a Amazon or BT or Sky, uh, and that is that is a worry because obviously fans pay enough for sport, they pay enough to watch the Premiership, they pay enough to watch uh, the the Pro 14, they pay enough for a lot of these things. Uh, and fans will be worried that if it goes to pay TV, um, they'll have to pay more. They'll have to pay more to watch the games. Uh, but yeah, the money the money is a godsend. Fingers crossed that that works. There's also other news um, in the six uh, in the rugby the Champions Cup draw is on. Edinburgh Rugby 
are playing Ray, Racing 92? It's a big weekend for rugby as well. The Six Nations uh, rugby this weekend. Uh, obviously, you've, we've got big games. It's Ikeda against Wales. England against France tomorrow, but the big one we are English against well we're, we're biased a wee bit Matthew when we see Scotland against flat Scotland against Ireland on Sunday. Yeah, I mean well it's strange enough that there's been a few things because I was just saying the Champions Cup draw has been made, so Edinburgh are playing right Racing 92 in the Champions Cup. So it is quite an interesting weekend or weekend leading up to this because there's been big news in rugby. Um with the with the Six Nations news and the Champions Cup draw. So Edinburgh have got a massive, massive game against Racing 92 coming up, and then we're going into the Six Nations this weekend. Um I mean Scotland Ireland is a is a massive, massive, massive game. Um, it's, it's humongous and I, I think Scotland you know they played well against England they beat England they didn't rack up as much points as they should have uh, they played Wales again they played well they didn't rack up as much points as they should have and the red card affected them so we know Scotland are coming into this game playing quite well Ireland are a bit hit and miss they've been playing quite poorly apart from the Italy game coming into this so I think Ireland are actually there for the taking and it's a it's a humongous game for Scotland because uh, they have they have a chance to maybe make a real marker on this tournament and with the British and Irish lines coming in next, uh, coming in maybe in the summer, players like Finn Russell have a humongous opportunity to play well in the Six Nations, impact games, and then possibly go on to be selected for the British and Irish Lions tour, wherever that is in the summer. Yeah, so, yeah, um, obviously, and, and it's a must-win game for Scotland as well, because they, they can't really afford to get beat or else that's a championship over. Yeah, I mean, I, I never, I, I mean, I never, I must admit, thought that we were in with any chance of, of winning the Six Nations as such. And, you know, I think the start in England maybe made me change my mind a little bit in the sense that I thought, well, if we can win in Twickenham and play that well in Twickenham, there's a chance we could do something in this tournament. But then we went on to Wales. And again, I think the problem against England came back to haunt us against Wales. We had the the possession. We had the run of the game. We just never got enough points on the board to make an impact. We lost, you know, we lost the game by one point, but arguably we should have had a lot more points on the board when we were dominating. And even though there was a red card in the game, I think we still had enough to, uh, to have won that game really and this is the worry against Ireland and that you know if, if we don't take, start taking our opportunities in big games we will be punished and you know Wales punished us last week for not getting the points on the board England could have punished us the first week because even though we were all over them I mean we made England look like amateurs uh, even though we were all over them, we just didn't get the points on the board to finish them off. So I think this is where, you know, Gregor Townsend needs to be concentrating on making sure that the possession and the amount of ball Scotland has, we use it to the best of our ability. We start getting points on the board uh, and we start finishing games off like the best teams in the in the world do. And obviously we've still got that game in hand to come against France as well. Yeah, and I mean, that'll be a tough game because France are obviously one of the top sides in the tournament and one of the top sides in the world. So, you know, and, and like I said, it's, France are going through a bit of a spell. They had a bit of a turnover. And I think, I, I thought maybe France would take a year or two to get back to where they are, but they're showing um, they're showing that they are one of the top sides in, in the country. Uh, well, in the world, sorry, not the country. But also domestically, you know, like I said, Edinburgh are going to play Racing 92 in the Champions Cup draw. Uh, if Edinburgh, I mean, somehow managed to beat Racing 92, I don't think they do, but if they do manage to beat Racing 92, then Bordeaux might be waiting for them in the quarterfinals. So it very much could be, you know, even Scotland against France as a game in hand, then Scotland against France in the Champions Cup, both the round 16 and then if Scotland do get through the quarterfinals as well. Um, so it is very much, a, you know, Scotland, it could be a Scotland uh, against France um Scotland against France for a while, actually domestically and internationally. But uh, would you believe as well uh, in the in the sort of last sixteen ties of the lesser tournament, the Glasgow Warriors are in. Glasgow Warriors have been drawn against Montpellier, so that continues the Scotland against France rivalry. And if Glasgow then make it somehow through that, they might be playing uh, Benetton um, in the quarterfinals. So yeah, it's going to be very much. Um, I think a Scotland France rivalry for the next few weeks. 
And um, so you you were talking about at the top of the show about there's a big week next week for horse racing as well. Yeah, I mean, well, Cheltenham. I mean, Cheltenham Festival's coming up. I mean, obviously, it's it's going to be a bit of a a strange one, really, um, with with no fans and and yeah. and Cheltenham. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Strangely enough, I had you know, it's it's I've had a lot of adverts through the door recently from racing TV to try and get me to sign up to watch to watch the tour, uh, watch the horse racing. So you know, I might do that because it is one of my favourite times of the year i would love to have I've, I've been able to to go to it um but you know i, I don't think there's there's very much opportunity that but you know you can watch it on on domestic tv too and and fingers crossed you know it's a very very good festival because it is a good festival it normally is enjoying like i said a lot of irish i mean it's a lot of irish come over uh from here during cheltenham week as you saw last year when covid struck um to watch it and it'll be strange watching uh, watching it from home but um hopefully it's a very enjoyable week and like i said st patrick's day is in the middle of it so you know Chel- even though it's in england it is a very irish t- festival uh and it's got the makings of a very very good one even though i don't think the irish re- uh, the irish horses will be will be there the and yeah, so it's good because it's coming into the summer season now, so you you'll have more horse racing and also um horse racing at air as well. And also you've got the Grand National as well coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean the Grand National coming up, the Scottish Grand National. Uh, and then obviously you've, you've a bit later on in the year you've got the Scottish Gold Cup as well in there. So uh, you know it's it's coming up to the season where you know hopefully fans will be allowed back in because you know, obviously the Scottish tracks really need the support and revenue to uh, be able to operate. And I think, you know, for, for horse racing, it's very, very important that they get that. Um, so Air, you know, um, Musselburgh, Hamilton and all the other race courses in Scotland will be crying out uh, to have fans back in. Um, and obviously bands will be looking forward to going back. And strange enough, it's a shame for Shinty because I've got some Shinty news in the back of that. Shinty's another sport that really uh, needs uh, fans to be involved in it. Um, but they've announced when they're going to come back. So there's a provisional timetable um, being announced by the uh, Shinty authorities to see when Shinty can return. So would you believe today, today, yippee, uh, finally there's going to be out... Yeah, uh, outdoor non-contact training can begin. So today, yeah. So today, you know, pre-season almost begins in the Shinty calendar, which is brilliant. Uh, two weeks time on the twenty-sixth of March. That's the target date for all clubs to complete COVID readiness. So hopefully by the end of March, not only will pre-season training have started non-contact in Shinty, but you know by the twenty-sixth of March, all clubs will have a plan to make sure that they're ready for COVID and the start of the year. 26th of April, contact Shinty can return. So, you know, one month after the COVID readiness is completed and after the outdoor non-contract contact training has begun, uh, Shinty can return to nor- a normal training schedule so we can finally have contact Shinty again. We can start maybe having pre-season again. We can have one or two games, um, most likely on a regional basis, but we can start having that again, which is very, very exciting. And then the big one, 5th of June, it's planned that the opening day of the Shinty season will start uh, and that will lead uh, all the way to the final in September. So, you know, well, at the moment, the final is due for September. So 5th of June is the opening day of the season. Uh, and I think, you know, for Shinty, because it has been such a long time since any games have happened in Shinty, um, everybody will be looking forward to that. Now, uh, yeah, it's good to see sport coming back. Now, it's good to see, uh, well, yeah, I was going to say, how many times have we dug the show? And there's all sports men changing sports or sports women changing sports. So last week, the former Scottish rugby player, Mickey Campbell, will make his professional debut at the heavy, heavy, lightweight boxing in Belgium later this month. So it's weird to see that people are changing sports all over the place. Now, I, I, I mean, my memory is really bad. I mean, I, I feel like I've got dementia at a very young age. But I, I, th- I can't remember, but I think maybe we spoke about Nick Campbell before when he was planning to come back. Um, 
to to be a boxer instead of a rugby player. You know, he used to play for Glasgow Warriors. Uh, he was a lock for eight years there. Um, you know, but he sadly retired playing rugby uh, in 2017. But he decided, you know, that he wanted to maybe try the boxing. Um, he's won 11 of his 15 amateur fights so far and claimed the Scottish Super Heavyweight title. Um, but now he's going to make his professional heavyweight boxing debut, like you said, in Belgium uh, later on this month. Um, so, it's, you know, it's really, really, really exciting, I think, for him. You know, obviously, he was at Glasgow Warriors. He did, He was very big in the rugby scene. You know, he played for, for years. But he's done well at amateur level. You know, like I said, he's won 11 to 15. He has won the Scottish Superweight Heavyweight or Scottish Super Heavyweight title. You know, so hopefully his professional debut is as good as his amateur ones have been so far. He's fighting uh, a Croatian, I think, on the 20th of March. So good luck to him. Uh, good luck to him in that and also I think there was a bit of other boxing news uh, with Stephen Simmons who uh, used to be a Commonwealth fighter um, he has been successful in securing an apprentice coach position as part of Sports Scotland Coaching Futures Project so things are moving in boxing for Boxing Scotland uh, and obviously Nick Campbell will add to the boxing, um, bo- the boxing ring that we've got at the moment in Scotland yeah, yeah, more more fighters are better in, in Scotland. So as I say, if you've missed anything tonight, you can check us out online. You can check the podcast on Indie uh, Indie Live Radio. Um and we're here every Friday night between six and seven. Uh, just to let you know as well, and I think we mentioned this uh this week. Uh, this week, that, uh, this on this week's show, that's what I was trying to say, um, about the Scottish Cup, that's coming back, so that's good to see. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously that's um, that's probably for, for a lot of uh, clubs, you know, the Scottish Cup's very exciting, and obviously it's one of the few trophies, I think, for SPL clubs that obviously they can win. Um, now that Rangers have won the league, it's now the only club uh, tournament that the SPL other clubs can win. Uh, obviously it's a lower league clubs have a chance to compete against some of the bigger guns as well so it's good to have the Scottish Cup back I'm surprised it's back I thought they might have cancelled it for the year uh, just because of the Covid situation and you know a lot of the times the Scottish Cup's only really important to the lower league teams um, when there's a lot of money involved too so I know the players have a chance to compete against the, the bigger players but obviously for clubs if they draw Celtic and Rangers they get a lot of money from that Um so therefore, I think it'll be a bit disappointing if you're, say, a Falkirk or Arbroath or whoever, and you've drawn maybe Celtic at Celtic Park, for example. You'll be, you'll be disappointed that no one's going to be a, be there this year, when before then you might have had 50, 60,000 people at it, and you're taking 50% of that income. So that's only disappointing side of it, but it's good to have the Scottish Cup back. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, teams like Hibs, for example, um, and the SPL will be looking to have that as a chance to win trophies, you know. I mean, um, to, I mean, using Hibs as an example, you know, I suppose Hibs um, have only just won the Scottish Cup relatively recently after waiting for 110 years or whatever it was. So they'll be looking to to be able to get back to that and, and win the tournament again. Um, so, yeah, I think the Scottish Cup's a very, very... Um, important tournament for those in the SPL to win silverware but like I said it's very important for the lower league teams to be able to compete against the top guns and also we'll find out in a couple of weeks if the Euros is coming to Scotland but I think it's in doubt now because of what happened uh, last Sunday uh, with, with the Rangers fans etc but it will be a big blow to Scottish football but also the finances as well to not only Scottish football but for, for the economy as well you would say because you know um, but again we, we still got no fans will be allowed back in at that time but just to have that tournament in Scotland get would be good, but as I say, it's in doubt at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's other things too. I mean, Scotland's quite involved in UEFA. I mean, obviously they're involved in Euro 2020. They're involved in the planning of that from a you know staging it standpoint with Hamden. But you know, Scotland standing in the UEFA as well was quite important because you know Rangers. Obviously, we spoke about Rangers earlier on the show, uh, and they're still playing. But uh, in the U in the Europa League, but Scotland standing, Scotland currently sit 11th in the UEFA rankings and if Rangers continue to win games, if they continue to get draws if they stay 11th uh, and it's all based on Rangers at the moment because Rangers are the only side left in Europe 
Scotland would earn a place, a direct place in the 2022-23 Champions League group stages for next season's Premiership winners. So um, if Rangers can continue to do well in this tournament, whoever wins the league next year will will go straight into the the Champions League the year later. Um, the only team that can stop, the only cl- country that can stop that are the Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine are right behind Scotland. So if any slip ups from Rangers happen, uh, the Ukraine could technically take that 11th spot and take that direct Champions League spot. Uh, but, you know, re- the way, like we were saying at the start of the show, the way Rangers are playing, Rangers weren't at their best last night and picked up a point, uh, sorry, picked up a draw um, with an away goal. I think if Rangers do go on, and play at their best. They will beat Prague next weekend, next week, and then go on, and that will just cement Scotland's position uh, in that tournament. But there's another UEFA tournament which is quite important. And again, I'll focus on Hibs because mm. obviously Hibs are Hibs and Aberdeen, you know, in particular, are maybe those sort of sides just below uh, Celtic and Rangers, and they don't really do well in UEFA competition. I think the Champions League is obviously too far for Aberdeen and Hibs, Hearts, teams like that. Uh, but the Europa League too, uh, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen have struggled to get into that Europa League group stage. But UEFA are from next year, I think, are doing a new competition. So from next year, there, there's a, you know, there is a better chance, I think, to compete because of the fact that there's now another, I can't remember what the tournament's actually called, but because of that, you know, even if they struggle to get into the Europa League, even if they get knocked out at the qualifying stages or um, maybe they maybe they just can't compete, all I've just remembered, it's called the Europa Conference League. Those teams will be able to drop into the group stages of the Europa Conference League, which oh, means that, yeah. yeah. So instead of now, I think, like I said, Scotland's kind of that glass ceiling for Scotland's maybe too much for the Europa League, even. But this Europa Conference League will give, I think, comp- continental competition for clubs like Hearts, for clubs like Hibs, for clubs like Aberdeen, you know, and they could they could compete against pretty good teams eventually in the group stages and things like that too. So UEFA's new third tournament will sit, like I said, beneath the Champions League and the Europa League. They'll be played on a Thursday, uh, and clubs can qualify through the Scottish Premiership. Um, so. You know, for Hibs, you know, if they could reach the Europa League group stages, they would generate huge ties. Um, you know, for you know, against Juventus, Lazio, Monaco, and things like that. But even then, if they were to drop into the Conference League, you know, they then could play teams like, for example, if everybody was to qualify for the Europa for the Conference League, Hibs could get into the group stages because the qualifying route would be easier. But they could, the Hibs, Aberdeen, Hearts, they could come up against teams like Napoli, Everton, Sparta, Prague, Feyenoord. Um, so even though even though the prize money is not as big, the tendencies will be big. It will be substantial for Scottish football un- underneath that old firm, and it will just give Scotland an extra boost in European competition. And it's quite exciting because you know I, I know quite a lot of people um, underneath that Celtic and Rangers bubble who say the one reason, the one thing I miss or don't or don't have when I support Hibs or Hearts is. European football. I miss yeah. the fact that we can't have that. Well, this will give them the opportunity to sample European football, even if you're not a Celtic or Rangers, um, and it's very, very good for them. Yeah, so it's all changes in European football as well. So that's for this week of the show. Um, we'll be back next week here on Indie Live Radio, and keep it here. Thanks, and see you next week. <laughs>